If you were a Jewish hero, this wouldn't have been any hope for you. You've seen a priest leave him. You've seen a Levite leave him. And now you see a Samaritan arrives on the scene. And you're thinking, there's no chance that this guy's going to come along. The hatred between a Jew and a Samaritan was great. It's kind of a very similar hatred that the Israelites and the Palestinians have with each other at, the, at this moment. Or even if you want to bring it closer to home, how uh, a, person who was ra- a white person who was racist and a black person during apartheid. That similar hate that was there. These, these two hated each other. So the chances of the Samaritan doing anything is pretty much gone. But Jesus surprises his audience and he says the following, but a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. Such an important word. We'll talk about it more now now. He had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He, He takes time to care for his pains. This man is beaten up, he's bleeding, he's, he's probably not looking very nice. If, if someone cuts their finger, I cut my finger yesterday with a uh, bread knife. It was, it was really messy, um, and I was really stupid when I did it, but it was, there was a lot of blood that came out, and I wouldn't really have asked anyone else to have deal with it because it's, it's just not a fun job for anyone to do. But he has this man who has been beaten beyond near life. He's, his life has nearly been taken. And this man takes time to bound up his enemy's wounds, who probably would not even have taken the time to acknowledge him or have spoken to him if they walked by on that road because of the hatred that they had for one another. And here we go, and he goes on, and it said, and then he took him down on his own animal, brought him to in to take care of him. And the next day, this, this good Samaritan does not only just help him with his wounds and go on his way, but rather takes him to an inn and then spends the whole day nursing him, looking for him, sleeps the night and then leaves the next night, but doesn't just leave him in his own care, asks the innkeeper to please take care of him for two days, pays money for it and says, if it costs any more than that, I will go and I will come back and I will pay the remaining amount of money. Such compassion and love that is shown here by the Good Samaritan. So if we have to stop there for now and we had to ask the question, who is the neighbor in the story? Most of us will agree the neighbor in the story is the Jewish traveler that got beaten, right? And what we learn from the story and what we learn from the Good Samaritan's act is that the neighbor is not necessarily someone who looks like us. Though it can be. It's not necessarily someone who potentially uh, gone through something that they didn't deserve. Because some might even argue that this was a well-known bad road to go down. And he went down with all his goods, with all his money. Actually, he was silly to do so. And therefore, what happened to him, though it was unlucky, it was a consequence of his actions. But yet he loves him. And what we need to learn from this story is to answer, who is my neighbor, is this question is answered by a person who needs mercy. A person who needs our mercy, regardless of whether they look the same as us, whether the same race as us, whether the same age as us, whether the same income bracket as us. 
whether the person would even do the same for us or not. Our neighbor is quite simply answered, is that person who needs mercy. But let me, let me suggest to you that in this parable, there is, there is another question that is asked, and it's more important than the question of who is my neighbor. Though that is important, there's a more important question that needs to be answered and what we're going to particularly look at today. Let's look at verse 36. It says here, Jesus, at the end of his parable, asks the lawyer, he says, which of these do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? And in verse 7, he said, the man who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, you go and do likewise. Jesus turns the question around. He says, once you've figured out who your neighbor is, the actual question that we need to be asking ourselves is who are we in this parable? Who are we? Are we going to be the good Samaritan that helps someone who is desperately in need? Or are we going to ask ourselves loads of questions of how do I do this? Who is my neighbor? Should I do this? Actually, this is going to make me late for church. So therefore, I won't do this particular kind of need. See, the issue is not necessarily their identity. In other words, who is our neighbor? The issue is our identity. Who are we going to be? So what we're going to do this morning under answering this question, who are we? Who, who are we going to be? We're going to look at two things that deal with our identity in Jesus. They're going to help us to motivate us to, to love more. And the first one that we need to realize, church, is that we are sinners saved by grace. We are sinners who have been saved by a greater good Samaritan, and that's Jesus. And we look, if you would turn with me, uh, I want to read from Philippians 2, verses 6 and 8. It says the following, it says, though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count himself, uh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here we see that Jesus was in heaven. He was a God that was being glorified. He was a God that had angels glorifying him 24-7 all the time. He was worthy to be there and he was getting what he deserved, being praised and to be made more and to be glorified. Yet Jesus will look upon us and he will see us and he will humble himself and take his time to come to earth and will be take on human form where he, his very own creation will mock him, treat him badly and then eventually kill him so that we might be saved. We just have to acknowledge that Jesus is a greater Samaritan than the Samaritan in the story. He does something far amazing for us and we have been recipients of mercy. But what we, when we realize and when we are reminded that Jesus is this picture of a great Samaritan, what we realize is that we are then the Jews that have received much. We have received much and much mercy. We see this particularly in Romans 5 verses uh, 6 and 8. It says here, 
for while we were still weak, for while we were dead on the road, because we weren't, we were dead to sin. We were, we were dead and cast out completely. We weren't half dead like this Jew. We were even in a worse situation case. For while we were weak, at the right time, in, in God's perfect timing, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous righteous person so one would maybe a person would die for Matt Johnson maybe a person would die for a godly person that might come along it goes on to say um, though perhaps for a good person maybe just for a person who doesn't even know God but is a good person one would dare to die but God shows his love for us and while we were still sinners while we were the worst of the worst Christ dies for us and church, when we, when we get this picture of a good, Samarit, good Samaritan coming and saving us, that we have been recipients of great mercy, it helps us to realize that when we come and stumble upon others who are in tough situations, who need mercy, that we have received much, therefore we give much. We have received mercy, therefore we give mercy. Why? Because of who we are. We are sinners who deserved nothing better. But in our undeserved state, God showed his love for us. And therefore, we love others regardless of their situation. Because that we have received mercy, therefore we give mercy. And the second thing we, we need to realize is that we are a new creation. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus has died for us on the cross. And when he did that, our sins, and when we believe in Jesus, that he died for us on the cross, and we ask him to forgive us of our sins, our, our sins are taken away. We receive forgiveness. We call this um, justification. We receive forgiveness. We've been removed from the wrath of God that was uh, meant to be for us because of our sin. But not only did we receive forgiveness that removed us from the wrath of God, but also we received the Spirit which gives us and moves us into a life of purpose. So we see that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us and helps us to uh, achieve this great commandment to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We, uh, Ephesians uh, 2 verses 10 explains this well. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them. Those of us who have been made new in Jesus we have this purpose to go out and live. And God has given us this good work so that we might go and live for him. So what it happens when we realize that we are a new creation given a new purpose, we, when we look at people, it looks different. Not because they have changed, but because we have changed. We are different. And therefore, when we look at them, we are able to give them mercy and compassion. Because if we put us in, in this picture, if we carry on using this picture of going down a road, this dangerous road, and we can call it life, as we go down this, this road and this journey, as we steep down, we are going to bump into people that are going to be needing the mercy that we need to give. 
We're going to bump into people that are real people going through real situations and that really need the mercy from us. And what this gives us is it gives us an opportunity. It gives us an opportunity to be the people in which God has created us to be. It gives us this divine appointment to live a life of purpose. So when we realize that we are a new creation in Christ, that we are new people and we have been called to a life to love others, when we see opportunities to love others, we do so. Because not only do we do it because we have received much mercy, but because in it we have a life of purpose and we have a life that is able to live and glorify God in it. Lastly, we're going to answer this question. How do we love our neighbor? So we, we unpacked that um, who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is someone who needs mercy. But a more important question is who are we? We are new creations in Jesus. And when we love our neighbor, we receive purpose in that. We get to be the people in which God has created us to be. But also we are recipients of great mercy. And therefore we can give much mercy because Jesus has given us much mercy. But how do we do that? Well, Jesus answers this question uh, in, in Mark 12 where he says, love your neighbor as yourself. As we, we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And loving ourselves is not a hard thing to do, is it? We really, we really do uh, make sure that we take care of ourselves. This world is a world that loves itself. It's, it's part of who we are. I'm not talking about self-esteem or self-confidence, because we can lack those, but we always want the best for us. And maybe a good biblical principle would be, is to, uh, that we see elsewhere, is to treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. That's how we love others. And if you were in their shoes, how would you like someone to treat you? With respect, with love, how, what distance would you expect them to go for you and to do it? But also we see that it's a practical thing. We need to be careful that we Christians, we love, we, we can be encouraging, and that's great. But you know what? Somebody who's hungry doesn't necessarily need your, I hope things get better for you, because that's not going to make them full. But while, I, don't get me wrong, there's encouragement that does come. In, so if I'm going through a hardship and a difficult time, encouragement might be the mercy that I need to receive. But there's a practical nature. He takes oil, he takes his wine, and he binds up the wounds of this particular person. We are practical in the way we do this. Next thing we need to realize is that we need to be careful of coming up with a thousand different qualifiers. Well, Joey, the good Samaritan in the story didn't give him his spare change so that he can go buy a new bottle of Parpelet. He didn't do that. And while those questions, and we need to think, and we need to be careful in these situations. I, I was in um, a stationery shop the other day and buying something. I'm trying to improve my Greek because I've gotten a little rusty. And I was trying to get some stuff to help me to get better at it again. And I was in the stationery shop and... Um, a guy came up to me and asked me for money, but as he came up to me, I could smell on him that he was, and I could see in his eyes, his eyes were glazed over, and um, he was asking for money. Now, there is wisdom in me not giving him money, because in that situation, I do not know what he's going to do. But if he really wants food, I could get in my car, and we could go and get some bread together. 
there is, there is, there's another step we can take. Now, so don't get me wrong. Don't, don't do something that's going to hurt the person more. But sometimes we can overqualify things and to make it, um, to overqualify things to make us not do the act. You see, for a priest in the Old Testament, if a priest touched a dead body, they were seen as unclean for seven days and they weren't able to practice um, in the temple. They, weren't, they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to read the law um, out loud. And so the priest in this story, though it doesn't say it because it is just a parable, we can, we can think maybe the priest's reason for not touching this half-dead body was because if he is dead, well, then he gets to miss out of the opportunity of reading in the law and in, um, in the temple. This excuse of, actually, I'm not going to risk it because there's something more valuable to me. We can make what we could see as justifiable excuses not to help others. And we need to be careful of that. And we need to just make sure that we are not trying to avoid it. Lastly, is loving our neighbor gives us a wonderful opportunity to share them the greatest love. We receive the greatest love from Jesus, and as we love others, it gives us opportunities to be able to share the gospel with them. I was um, in my third year at studies, um, and those of you who've been doing the missional living, you've been challenged to ask God to, to help you see opportunities to share the gospel. And we had a, a lecturer that challenged us to do a very similar thing. He, he used to say, ask God every day as you walk out your door to go off to ask him to show you where God is moving because he is always moving in people's lives. And if you can see it, maybe you can be a part of it and help them to come to know Christ. And so that's a very bold prayer to pray because I promise you God will show you. And what I prayed it that morning, went off to seminary. Hopefully they're all Christians there. Didn't have uh, uh, anything go on there. And I, I came home and a typical student straight after, uh, I think I went and had a nap. And it's like two in the afternoon and what do you want to do? You have a nap after lunch. So I had a nap and my, my uh, phone rang. I didn't even know we had a phone. I'm not talking about my cell phone. I'm talking about a landline. I'd been staying there for about eight months, and I didn't even know it was there. It was in the, as you walked in on the door on the side there. Um, maybe I noticed it, but I didn't know it worked. And it was uh, the security downstairs. I stayed in a block of flats, and the security uh, was calling up, and there was this lady uh, that was on the phone, and she says, Hello, sir. Uh, I, found, I saw your bucky. Um, I needed someone to please carry, uh, give me a, a lift out to Paro, um, so, and I need, because I'm delivering something, and I need someone to do it, and you've got a bucky, it would be great if you could help me, and I was like, no, I, I'm not, Paro is like 45 minutes from where I stay, it's not a safe area, I don't want to go to Paro, no thank you, uh, thanks very much, put the phone down, jump back into bed, well, this lady was very persistent, and I heard a knock on the door, and I was like, I got up, I, I didn't think it was her, and opened the door, and there she was. And she said, so please, I desperately need to get out there today, and you're the only one I know. And I was then reminded of the prayer I had prayed that morning. And uh, God in, had brought someone to me so that I could share the gospel with them. And she was going to be stuck in the car with me for 45 minutes. Um, so she was gonna, there's nothing she can do. Uh, so I said, okay, fine. Jumped in the car. We loaded her stuff, and we headed off to Paro. And they gave me the opportunity as we started talking, because I was doing her a favor, I could shoot a bit more straight than I normally would. 
And uh, she asked me what I do, and I said, I study theology. I want to become a pastor. And uh, I said, do you go to church? Do you know God? And uh, she's, she said, no, I don't. I definitely don't do that. Um, and she went on to explain that so many Christians pr- profess to be Christians, but they don't act like it. She'd been cheated in business before, and she then, therefore, if that the way Christians acted, she could not potentially uh, believe that there was a God. And I had to explain to her a couple of things. One, that we Christians, we are still sinners. We still make mistakes. Uh, we still love by God. We've been saved by grace, but we still got a lot of things we have to work through. I had to explain to her that even though some people profess they're Christians because they go to come from a Christian home doesn't necessarily mean that. And while we got to the end and we got to power and I offloaded it and we never, we never got to the point where she decided, yeah, this is something that I want to take on. It was an opportunity that I would never have had or I've never have met the lady if it wasn't because of actually her coming to me and asking for mercy. And it gives us an opportunity to do it. Yeah, our number one aim when showing mercy is not so that we can dive in there so we can share the gospel. We want to do it because we want to love because we have been loved. But it gives us such an opportunity to be able to love others. If the Samaritan had to sit down with this Jew, though they believe vastly different things, and sit down and share his beliefs, there was a good chance that he would listen because the priest had gone by and not done anything. The Levite had gone by and not done anything. And here a Samaritan did. Who is he going to listen to more? And so it gives us this wonderful opportunity. Church, this is big challenge for us is to love our neighbors as ourselves but we've got to remember who we are we are recipients of great mercy given this wonderful opportunity to go and love and and when we do that we fulfill who god wants us to be he desires that we do mercy micah 6 verse 6 what does god desire he desires that we do righteousness and to and to be a part of that And in that comes an opportunity to share the gospel as well, the greatest love. And I know that's hard and that's tough. I am, I am, I am far from perfect when it comes to this. I, I mess up all the time. But let's, let this be something that the Spirit works in us, helping us to become more and more like Jesus in this moment. Let us pray. Jello, we are so thankful that you are a God who has compassion. You're a God who looked upon us and loved us even when we didn't deserve it, even when we took it and threw it back in your face. When we didn't want anything and we, you were persistent with us and you continued on loving us and, and now we are in your grace being able to receive your mercy and we thank you so much for that. I pray, Lord, that you would stir in us a heart for people um, who need mercy. That, Lord, sometimes our hearts have become calloused, they've become hard. We have justified the reasons not to love others for so long. And as a result, we look at it and we aren't stirred anymore. Would you, would you soften our hearts? Would you soften our hearts to make time, take time, Lord, but may we become better at this as a church? And Lord, as we do this, as we, as we try and love and as we um, stumble, but as we p- persist and, and persevere, would you help us to also see opportunities to see where you're moving? Where you are challenging people, where you're helping them to become more and more like Jesus. 
so that we might be able to share the gospel with them. We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.